this week's episode of the Young Lazier Podcast. I'm the host, Dexon Estel, and this week, I'm going to be giving my testimony, but in the form of a message. Now, I have this message here. Before I give the title, I want to share a brief story of what my dad, like an angel encounter my dad had. It was, uh, he, he went to this church, like a huge revival, Brownsville revival. Of, it was from 1995 to, I think, 2000. I could be wrong on that. I'm not 100% sure. But during that time, he had an encounter where he was singing in the uh, choir up there, and an angel came down from the roof. And this angel had like a huge smile. He was full of joy. He was all happy. And he came down and he got right in front of my dad. And he was like smiling. And he looked at my dad and all of a sudden he went like this. Bam, bam, bam. Three things. But he never spoke. And my dad was, you know, he was confused. And then the angel waved goodbye and he flew back up. Now, of course, that confused my dad because he had no idea what it meant. And, you know, that was back in the 90s. Come around 2003, I was born. And, you know, they already had my sister and my brother at that time, my older brother. And I, you know, I was born and when I started getting teeth or really when I started like smiling a lot, my dad looked at me and he saw something familiar. And it took him a bit, but then he realized that the same smile that was on the angel was on me. So the title of today's message is A Smile Can Hide a Lie. Fast forward a few years down the road. Um, I'm, you know, around the age of five. I barely could speak, needed to go to speech therapy, so my parents put me in speech therapy and I was in it for five years. And by the time I got out, you know, I could speak clearly, people could understand me, it was good, it was great. But, um, you know, I, and I had a smile, I was joyful, everything was good, and then comes fifth grade, and I get the news that we're moving from one state to another state. So we move from that state, and everything's fine, but then after my fifth grade year, my parents pulled me out of public school, and they homeschooled me. And then I started getting left home a lot, and uh, I started getting curious because I got so bored, and that's pretty much when I got addicted to pornography. And I thought that was, you know, I, in the beginning, I, I would ask God to forgive me every time after I, something happened. I'm like, Lord, forgive me. This is not going to happen again. I'm not going to let this happen again. It was just that one time. It's fine. I'm not going to do it again. And then the more I started, you know, following that cycle, the more it became, you know, a habit. And we all have bad habits, but this was a habit that shouldn't have happened, but I allowed it to happen. And it started, you know, progressing and progressing, you know, and then eventually, like, I would start getting, it's like, well, you know, ask for forgiveness next time. It's like, oh, it's fine. I won't have to tell anybody about this. It was just this one time. It's not going to happen again. And then it became a constant thing where anytime something bad happened, that was my go-to. That was my comfort. That's what I leaned on. That is what I felt safe around. And I never told anyone about it, yet everyone knew that that makes sense. Because I'd still be smiling, I'd still be joyful, and I would try to play it off, but my mom could always tell there was something different because I was smiling, but not with my eyes. Because a smile can be a smile when you see the teeth. 
It looks normal, it looks great, but if you look into the person's eyes, you can see there's something going on behind that smile. Either it's true joy or it's true pain trying to hide behind a bunch of white teeth. But all these different things, you know, the, the addiction, all these different things, they could hide behind a smile. So it kept progressing and then progressing and progressing and that shirt, next thing you know, like I didn't even ask for forgiveness. It just, it became so, so common to me that it just, it felt like, it felt like it was part of my life and it, it was really. It's, it's something I allowed to get close to me. But then once I got to that point, then, you know, depression started creeping. And then I started getting insecure. You know, I would look in the mirror and I was, I was very skinny at the time. And I would look in the mirror and I'd look at my wrist and people would make fun of me and I would look and I'm like, man, I need to work out. And I'm like, I, I would look at myself and I would, I would get upset that I looked the way I did. And I would get depressed at night. I would, and whenever I would get depressed and I would get real down, I'd go back to my comfort because that's what I knew. That's how I coped with things. Next thing you know, my, uh, my uncle back in 2017 was diagnosed with like stage four terminal like, cancer like it was done for there was nothing they could do about it and when he died a few months later you know my mom was devastated my dad was devastated I was devastated because I was the first family member I had really lost that I like I lost many many family members but most of them I didn't know this was one that I I grew up knowing I wasn't super close but I grew up knowing and it and it, it of course hurt I was young um, I still am young but I was younger at the time and because of that, I used the coping method that I knew. Instead of praying to God and asking Him to help me through the situation, I went back to the same thing I was always doing, which was just staring at things I shouldn't be staring at. It was just that pornography addiction that had such a hold on me. And I, I got even more depressed, and then it was like major depression. And I tried to hide it from people. I didn't talk to anybody about it because there's... If, people know me they know that I'm not gonna just open up easily like when when something bad happens I don't just immediately cry and like let it all out it's like it takes a while for me to actually you know let my feelings out like I get it and you think of a water balloon you can fill that water balloon with a lot of water but eventually when you fill it too much it's gonna pop and that's pretty much how I am with like anything emotionally like I get it and I can fill it up so much with so much so much emotion, so much pain, so much anger, so much joy, all these things and eventually I'll just explode. And most of the time it's in tears, honestly. Most of the time it's in tears where people, people will see me, you know, and I just, the little things like with my uncle, it took just my brother and I fighting over where I placed a fork on the table. And next thing you know, I'm crying and I'm crying and my mom's trying to find out why it was so serious about a fork. And I explained to her, it wasn't so serious about a fork. It's the fact that I finally let my emotions out for losing someone close. You know, and now fast forward a little bit down. Um, first year of high school, little rough, wasn't saved, wasn't walking with Jesus. And I still had the, um, the chains, really. I still had them. And, it was like everywhere I walked, it was like carrying these heavy weights, like ball weights, just everywhere I went. And I couldn't walk, I couldn't do anything, I couldn't, I couldn't literally live free because I had something holding me down. 
and I'd had dream after dream after dream, but none of them made sense to me. None of them pointed anything to me. I knew I look back at them now and they make so much sense, but then I couldn't really grasp the true meaning of any of those dreams. You know, first year of high school, I, everything seems great. I, I get some friends, you know, I start this whole group of friends and it's great. But the thing was, one of the closest people I was with at the time was the pothead and another drug addict and, you know, people who just talk about the most inappropriate things, which was really eye-opening to me. I'm like, crap, I guess high school in the movies kind of is condensed compared to what it is in real life. And this was a private Christian school. I, I couldn't imagine if my parents put me in public school. So like I, I pray for the kids that um, go to public school and have to deal with all those things. It's, it's a lot, man. I know it's a lot, but truly, I just really quickly, I wanna just point out the fact that while I was addicted, the Lord was still watching over me. Like I felt like I needed, I needed to say that real quick. Like, even through all of that, the Lord was still with me, even if I didn't know He was with me. And, you know, come around April of 2019, everything was going normal. I thought I could just keep going with the same flow, but the Lord finally had enough. And I'll tell you this, if the Lord has enough, if the Lord's been trying to get your attention and you keep ignoring and keep ignoring and keep ignoring, He'll get your attention, one way or another. If He'll have somebody talk to you, or he'll have somebody expose you. Or he'll do the exposing himself. I'm just saying, the Lord had my youth pastor call my mom. And my youth pastor told my mom things that I wish she never would have found out. Because I, I try to keep them secret. There was a bunch of things that I honestly can't even tell you what I did. Like, I haven't, I don't really tell anyone what I did that my mom found out. But she, she was hurt and she was angry. And she was mad and all that and all that anger and I thought that was the end like I thought that that was it for me like I'm not going anywhere I'm not gonna do anything like my normal teenage life is ruined and you know when I got to school the next day because that was on a Wednesday April 3rd 2019 I never forget the date but the next day on a Thursday I went to school and I told my friends about what happened they were laughing at me we just kind of played it off as a joke and next thing you know, it's like I'm trying to get, I have plans to get different things, start doing different things. It's like try to go to different places and sneak out. Like all these different plans my parents had no idea about because I thought, well, if they took that away from me, I'll do this instead. And then exactly a week from being exposed, from April 3rd all the way to April 10th, that night I, won't, I asked my mom to go to youth and she was mad, but the best thing for me that night, she said, was just to go to youth. So she let me go. My dad gave me this long talking to that I tried to ignore at the time. And when we got in the youth building, you know, I worked the soundboard because I worked the soundboard for my church and I worked the soundboard for my youth. Like I helped with the soundboard at my church during Sundays. But for the youth, I was working it that night and I was getting trained on some different things. And then I was listening to the message and the message was about power of life and death in the tongue, which I heard it many times, but at that time I was, I was desperate. I didn't have anything else. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have friends that I actually trusted. I didn't have anything. So I was hungry. My spirit was thirsting for something different. And I was listening to everything my youth pastor was saying, and it, it, it was moving me. And I started writing things down. And then at the end, he gave an altar call. 
which wasn't even about salvation at the moment. It was an altar call for something else, but I still went up there because I felt like I needed to. And I could tell you the exact spot that I sat down on my knees. Whew. I'm sorry. Um, I didn't... <laughs> um, I could... tell you the exact spot that I got down and the Lord he just he wrecked me honestly um I, I have a I had a vision when I got down on my knees and I was just asking God to change me just free me get all rid of all these things and I had a vision and it was a vision of a child sitting down and like the child was the child was very depressed and very sad and the Lord I saw this in the vision like I was a child and the Lord came up I could see him and I knew it was the Lord it was a man in a white robe like and it was you could see him he was glowing there was no way you could miss him and he started walking up and he he reached his hands out to me and he picked me up and he held me like a child I had my arms wrapped around his neck and my legs wrapped around his waist and I was just crying on him. I was telling him, just in my, in my tears, I was letting him know that I was sick of the way I was living. And I've tried to tell this story to other people and they don't get moved by it, they think I'm faking it, but I, I'm not faking it. Look, when you're touched by God, there is nothing anybody can do to try to convince you you are. You know when you were moved. You know when you were touched by God. And you may have tried to forget it. You may have tried to push it aside. Maybe you were a child. Maybe you were an adult. And now you're listening to this. And you're elderly. You're in your 50s, your 60s, your 70s. And you think that you could have pushed that experience to the past. And you, you tried to keep it in the past. Because everybody else told you it wasn't real. So you believe it wasn't real. But you know, just as much as I know about my experience, that it was very real. And there's... There's, you can't forget it because you can't unsee what you've already seen. And after knowing all that about Jesus, after feeling His presence in a way that no one else can explain, it, it's breathtaking. So that vision, He picked me up and I was holding on to Him. And I got up, you know, that night from the altar and I, I went to um, my dad and telling him all these things. I went to my youth pastor, told him what happened. He led me in a quick prayer too, just quick uh, salvation prayer. And um, On the ride home, I was telling my dad everything. And then when I got to the vision part, I started explaining how the child was crying on his shoulders and he had his arms wrapped around his neck and his legs wrapped around his waist. And, you know, it was a man in a white robe, like all these different things. And my dad started tearing up. And I didn't get it at the moment. I didn't get it real quick. And he pulled out his phone and he started swiping through his text messages and clicked on one for my mom. And the day before, you're about to see this picture on screen, but before you see it, the day before, my mom took a picture of a painting she saw in the church she was at. And you're seeing it right now on the screen. The child was crying on Jesus' shoulder with her arms wrapped around his neck and her legs wrapped around his waist. And he was holding on to her, not letting her go at all. 
The reason my dad was crying was because the way I explained my vision was exactly what my mom took a picture of. Everything matched. Now the picture shows a girl, but what I'm saying is the Lord knew what he was doing when he had my mom take that picture. My mom just was admiring the picture. She liked it. She had no idea that that picture was going to be the same vision the Lord gave me when he saved me. Now, that's been over a year now. My life's been changed. I've been called to do a podcast. I've been speaking. I've been doing all these different things. And I'm, you've probably been wondering, what's the point I'm trying to get to? And really, the point is, you can't live without Jesus. There's really no other way without it, without saying it. It's just, you can't live without it. You can try, you can live your whole life, and you can die. And I can guarantee you, you'll have that regret of wishing you would have just given your life to Jesus. Even if you're on your deathbed and you ask God to forgive you of all your sins, and you're sincere about it. Because if you just ask it because everybody else is asking it, but you don't mean it, then you're not being sincere, you're just doing what other people do. But if you're sincere about it, and you ask God to forgive you of everything and then come into your life and take over and lead you, I can guarantee you, you'll be saved. And your life will be changed. And you'll never ever be able to look back and just go back to the complete life you once were in. Now, I still have had different um, struggles with pornography. And I've had to let a lot of things go. I've had to let social media go. At different times, I've had to, you know, just completely break off off friendships that I had with certain people. I even I stopped watching some of my favorite shows, stopped listening to music that wasn't from Jesus. All these different things that were still doorways that allowed the addiction to take hold. And that's something, that's a sermon for another time. But real quick, before this ends, I want to share this statement I heard. And then I'm going to lead everybody in a prayer. But there was a statement I heard from, uh, from a book I was reading. It's called, God So Loved, dot, dot, dot. It's from Lee Rogers and a, about 30 other um, writers within the book. And it's pretty much a guide to sharing God at school. But it can also be used in any other form, but it's really, it's based for school. And he was going through the word, the gospel. And he was going through all the letters, and I don't really know which letter it was, but one of them, he was going through something, and he said this statement. And when I read it, I stopped everything I was doing, and I just started crying, and I told my Google Home to start playing a certain song, and I just, I lifted up my hands, and I started worshiping the Lord, because the statement was so powerful. The statement was, there was not one sin that wasn't nailed on the homosexuality, drugs, alcohol, pornography, murder, no, one sin that wasn't there. So don't let people tell you, well, you're, it's too late for you. But what I'm trying to get to, the point I'm trying to, trying to grasp right now is, is you can't live without it. I want to say real quick that the podcast show is now available on 
think it's called Radio Podcast, Radio Something. I'll verify that. Um, I'll put the links in the description, but it's now available on there. Um, this other podcast platform, it's getting approved for Apple Podcasts, but it's also on Spotify. So all you have to search in, and like the search bar is Youngin's Ear, and the show will pop up. So you don't have, always have to watch on YouTube anymore. You can listen to it, download the episode. It's completely free. Um, and with Apple Podcasts, it'll be it, that way for people who don't want to pay but still want to listen to it. That's completely free, so don't worry about that. So real quick, I'm going to lead everybody in a quick prayer. Uh, so if you could just bow your hands with me. Say, Dear Lord, we come to you today. And we ask you, Lord, to completely take over our lives. To take the wheel and lead us, Lord, to purify, to sanctify, and heal our hearts. I am yours forever, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in this week for this week's episode. Next week I'll be back with another message, or if the Lord has something different in mind. We'll find out. Thanks again.